Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Crisis. And I'm your host, Ayo Abbas, a marketing consultant who specialises in working with companies in the built environment. So that's basically architects, engineers and contractors to you and me. Today, it's Monday the 25th of January and we are in lockdown part three. My guest today is Emily Binning from Engineering Powerhouse WSP. I've known Emily for years from when we both worked at Arup and it was really lovely to reconnect and do this interview with her. In this session, we touch on lots, including the importance of strategic marketing and its alignment with winning work, having the courage to push back on business as usual, and why it's really important to empower your teams and let them do what they do best. We also look at marketing technology and how that can help us all do our jobs. So if you're a regular listener, please do me a favour and leave us a lovely review. It really is appreciated and helps us to spread the word. Anyway, let's get on with the show and I'll stop talking. So... Off you go and enjoy the interview with Emily. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Crisis. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much and thanks for coming on to the show. Can you give me a brief intro to you and your role at WSP, please? Yeah. Hi, Io. It's um, brilliant to be with you today and thanks for inviting me on the podcast. So, I have about 23 years experience now, gosh, um, in More than me. <laughs> marketing comms, which is terrifying in itself. And I, the majority of my career has actually been in professional services. So I'm really kind of rooted in that. Uh, I joined WSP three years ago. And at that time, I had a very, very clear mandate. And it was simply to show us a better way to do strategic marketing. And so in that time, I kind of refocused the function, um, took it apart and rebuilt it, essentially. And we now have a strategic marketing function in place that helps the company win work. It's really that simple. (laughs) Um, And profiles and positions us to win work and be front of mind with our clients and potential clients. So my role specifically, gosh, I mean, you know, I'm sure many people you speak to could talk at length, but I'd say in summary, um, ultimately, I'm responsible for making sure that the marketing strategy aligns to the business growth strategy, going back to that point about winning work. Um, I think it's vital that I recruit and retain the best people, because I could have the best strategy in the world, but if I haven't got the best team working alongside me, uh, it's yeah. going to be really tricky. And so in doing that, I, I really sort of try and create and foster that learning environment. It's a great environment where there are no blockers. We get to innovate. We get to try things. We get to fail safely, all that great yeah. stuff. Um, I'm also, and I encourage my team to be, and it sounds really easy, but it's not. We're like the connectors. We're, we join the dots across what is a very diverse matrix type of business hundreds of service lines hundreds of clients and so um joining those dots so that we're getting the best value we can for wsp is really important and that could be within a piece of marketing activity but often that could be around a growth opportunity or something that's business strategy where we we're part of the conversation but we can bring others in to make that a much more rounded proposition so how big are WSP in the UK now and your team and how big are, is your team as well? So in the UK, we are 7,000 people. Yeah. Globally, um, gosh, I mean, we're, we're head- always growing. <laughs> always growing. We're headquartered in Canada. So we're a Canadian company and we're on the Canadian Stock Exchange. We have grown aggressively through M&A. 
So yeah. to put it into context, when I joined three years ago, the day I joined, we were about 32,000. Overnight, we literally, overnight, we announced um, we were going to acquire Opus. And that kind of put on, I think it was like another 8,000 on top or something. It was huge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we continue to grow. We've recently just acquired Golda, um, which will kind of put us out there on the kind of top end environmental consultancy stage. And then I also look after Africa and Israel as well as part of my remit and linking globally. The team, so we cover as a function, we have uh, the strategic marketing piece, also have internal comms, public affairs, media relations, um, the digital marketing piece falls within, of course, the um, marketing team. We also cover, as you'd expect, reputation, crisis management and graphic design. So there are about 18, 19 of us. Yeah. So, you know, we we keep it lean. We're very I was agile. Gonna say that. It's not a massive team for that, that yeah. size of company. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> it's a very lean but team. But I think if I'm honest with you, Io, I think that's one of our gifts because yeah. we have to be incredibly pointed about what we do and the value we add. And one of my key drivers and changes at the beginning of the creation of the team was around we, when we're not going to be in that business as usual layer and that switch from um, reactive to proactive and they're very easy statements to make but we've done say. it we've we've a hundred percent done that so what sort of things did you have to say no to? Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> you, you well, no, that's the thing because yeah. it's kind of like, you know, that's, it's, it's an important question. It's a really important question. And um, because when I, I kind of took it apart and rebuilt it, I made a conscious decision that I had to live and breathe that business and what that function was to become because in order to do that I needed to know what was required of the business the personalities um the growth ambitions and and build it so I created the right environment to attract the best people to come and help me and to also get it to a point where the environment was right for those really capable brilliant people to do a fantastic job and if they had come in too early they would have been asked for green brochures they would have been asked for you know (laughs) all the basic marketing things and I have to um, go through that process of really pushing back on the business in the right way and educating them to this new and different way. And so, you know, it really was in the early days. And I'm making it sound so basic. Some of the things, if we look at awards, and I'm sure you and I could debate that at length, the value of awards, uh, you know, certainly in uh, the engineering industry, um, there was a lot of awards and some of them, are, yeah, there was no strategic plan and it was saying no to a lot of those. It was it was discussing how that model could be the model of central awards versus in the business to free us up to be working on a major strategic bid worth hundreds of millions of pounds. And I was doing the profiling and positioning for that. And then what, when you're saying no to that business as usual layer in the right way and you're putting your efforts in that strategic piece and then the business can feel and see the benefit of that activity, yeah. it starts to kind of build up and the pace and the momentum and people want more of it. Um, but it wasn't easy. Um, I'm very fortunate that WSP, genuinely, it's an environment where you're trusted for your skill set. 
and there are no blockers and it's not the bureaucracy of writing a paper and it has to go and get signed off and all that stuff (laughs) you know we're trusted for our skills but we're also accountable big time you know and there was a phase like I can't remember when it was probably about five years ago when you guys used to like advertise in like train stations do you still do that yeah so um WSP is really interesting from a corporate brand perspective. Yeah. Like you you point out, many, many years ago, corporate brand campaigns and advertising was what WSP did. And the, it's yeah, I remember them. Yeah. really playful personality. And, it, you know, would be taking out adverts in the times. You know, that's, yeah. that's what, what they did. And, and so there is a, a nice history and track record of that. And we still do that. Um, this year and last year um obviously <laughs> behaviors have changed um but we're still do we invest a lot in our corporate brand activity and when i say a lot i'm not just saying money out the door attention you know mm. resource as in the minds of the team making sure it is implemented across everything we do and it's like that significant factor in what we do um but yeah we really try and push the boundaries actually for professional services and b2b in terms of our brand our corporate brand yeah because i remember it used to be key the key kind of terminal kind of stations i remember seeing them at some point going oh yeah because there's not many there's not many engineering firms that actually do that and, and that kind of thing so it did always stand out to me so until my next question so in terms of kind of lockdown part three I mean what approach have you been taking in terms of how you've been doing your marketing over the various lockdowns yeah so it's well last March when it all kicked off we very very quickly I mean within two weeks had realigned our marketing focus so we have a very disciplined rigorous marketing planning cycle every autumn where we work with the business we reflect on the business growth strategy and we we kind of create our plans for the year and there's like an overlaid marketing strategy on top of that so we very quickly had to refocus look at the opportunities and priorities for the business um, our clients and the market at that time working with the business working with our strategic growth team and there was a bit of a, a two, two-pronged approach on that. So there's that classic present forward. What's in front of the nose? What do we really need to chase now? What, yeah. you know, where are the clients' pinch points? Where are the projects that um, need some more attention um, or market sure opportunities? Yeah. And then yeah. there was that kind of still. And it's really important because I think in times like this, people and organizations forget this, that that kind of um, forward back approach, still looking ahead of that six, 12, 18 months, because, you know, great opportunities can come out of this for business, I think, if they still keep that lens on the future. I think it's a really important point. So we've been trying to balance that. We, as a team, have focused much more on the quality, not quantity, Again, easy statement, but let's just do it really, really well. Let's make sure our targeting is bang on in terms of are we reaching the buyers? Are we reaching their circle of trust and influence? Um, We have worked very closely with our strategic growth team because I feel in times like this more than ever, 
we have to be supporting our key account managers and the seller doers, helping them to have the conversation starters. How, you know, back in March, it was like, pick up the phone, speak to your client. Engage with them. It really was. (laughs) And, And I think it's important not to forget the importance of internal comms. It's been a big thing for us because we're a people business. Our only asset is our brilliant people. And we had to arm them with confidence and guidance, how we were going to navigate this and keep close to our clients. So that was a a, a big, big piece for us. And then we zoned in. I know it's predictable um, on our digital marketing plan and our content pipeline uh, to make sure that was robust. Everybody was feeding into it. Um, We... You know, I I talked about targeting a moment ago, but that's fundamental to what we do and trying to find sort of those new and creative ways to do that. And How is your your data? Because I know that if you're going to start targeting and being more specific, which is what this kind of pandemic has thrown up, I mean, did you have the data in place for that or...? Yeah, so so for us, it's really a case of be it... um, a strategic pursuit or an account-based marketing piece. Uh, We're just really close to the strategic growth team, those key account managers in the business. And we have our capture planning teams. So they're brilliant at doing that capture planning piece at the early part of the bid. And that's when we start to map out who we know. Um, And then we'll do our piece of, well, actually, do they know us? What are they reading? What are they watching? (laughs) Are they following us? (laughs) All that kind of that That stuff talking and tracking um and so we just had to really really zone in on that and we always have but even more that critical eye on that has been super important and i think i think and this is where my soapbox bit comes in i think (laughs) one of my big learnings throughout this whole whole journey so far has been around I don't want, and I fear everybody potentially is sort of navigating into this space. I don't want social media, particularly LinkedIn, to be that default complacent option. Um, a yep. bit like, do you remember in the old days where you do a nice flyer and you put a code on the back, <laughs> you put it in an envelope <laughs> and you'd see what happens? <laughs> I don't mean, I was showing my age, but, you know, that's what we did. Yeah. And we go, okay, job done. Let's just see how many we get back. Um, And I fear that LinkedIn in particular is starting to become like that. And the reason why I raise that is we recently had a a very important strategic bid. We were doing our profiling and positioning campaign and the team were doing a great job. And it was just wrestling with me. Are we reaching the buyers? Are we reaching them? And actually, when we really dug through the, the kind of the buyers and the personas, many of them weren't actually on LinkedIn or they weren't following us. Or they, and we had to stop and go, how else can we reach these how people? Else we reach how else yeah. do we reach them? And we've got to find yeah. a way. And it just it just got me thinking, I don't want us to be in that space where we become complacent with it um, as a channel. But what I kind of think is also you don't own you don't own that data. And like you say, you don't know if somebody's actually going on to LinkedIn. They might not be. Or LinkedIn, you only I think you only see 10% of your contacts information and feeds and information. So it's easy to miss. It so is you don't easy to know, miss. You don't even know if you're even in their stream of information. So in some ways, that's why I was asking you the data question, because I was kind of like, 
if you had their emails, for example, or you had ways of connecting with them outside social where you're more likely, you know, it's been received, you know, you can have a red receipt, you can, that kind of stuff. And and that's, that's the whole data piece, isn't it? In terms of at least, you know, you're hitting someone or, you know, you're actually making that contact. And I think social media is a it's a bit of a pain spray in a way, isn't it? Really? It is. And, and yeah, gosh, that that phrase, you know, I do remember that from the old school marketing days. It is. And I think it's um, so it, so in the strategic marketing piece, because I know that's what we're specifically talking about today in terms yeah. of the function. You know, we focus on three things and they are the profiling and positioning for key strategic pursuits. And we, we're, we're really close to those um, bid teams to understand the win themes, understand who the influencers are, uh, yep. what, what they're buying, what's keeping them awake at night, all that great stuff. And then we will profile and position to help influence. Then there's the account-based marketing. So that's when we really dig down into key accounts, work with the key client managers, and we have bespoke marketing programs for those key accounts. And then you have like the one WSP themes, and they're sort of the contextual cross-cutting themes. Um, so delivering net zero is a really, really good example. Yeah. And I think that's where, just going back to the digital marketing piece and specifically social media and, and LinkedIn, you know, from a, a one WSP themes, that profiling, that contextual piece, I think it can be really powerful uh, and it's more so powerful when your people employees are sharing that content you know to yep, put it into absolutely. context um about when well it's been getting to 30 percent sometimes of our traffic to our campaign pages come from our people sharing our content That's and that huge. number's on the increase i mean it's phenomenal so here we have our linkedin a teams we use smart um, which is an employee advocacy platform. It is so powerful because they're the ones that have the connections. Completely, yeah. Authentic coming from them. Yeah, and them sharing it because they want to share it, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a really interesting, interesting space, I think, to debate. So, what do you think? I guess, like, I guess, let's move on to campaigns in terms of. You talked about the kind of one themes and those kind of cross-sector things that are global for you. I know one of the campaigns you've recently launched is the WSP Changemakers campaign. How does that work and, and what, what? how did that one come about? Yeah, so the Changemakers campaign, honestly, IO has been a complete joy to work on. It's one of those that completely aligns to sort of my my purpose and why I love what I do. And yeah. You and I know, like, it's been proven that brands that continue to invest in their brand during times of turmoil and crisis come out stronger. And we really yeah. believe in that. We really believe in it. So what we did last September, well, it was August, um, we had a bit of a brainwave within the team of a kind of loose concept. And traditionally, in the autumn, we do a bit of an ad campaign sort of push. So the timing yeah. was right. And the campaign basically celebrates each and every one of the 7,000 people in the UK. And importantly, it's not just our incredible technical staff. It's everyone, everybody. so including yeah. our management services teams too. And so we felt that 
during this pandemic, more than ever, we needed to create that sort of renewed sense of community and spirit and an appreciation for all that we do and the power of that. And it was as important internally for a cultural piece as it was externally to the market, 100%. And we center the campaign around the WSP hour. And that essentially is telling stories about the combined time of 7,000 people and what we can achieve in an hour for our clients, on our projects, and quite frankly, for society, because that's part of our purpose and what we're about. And it's just been a joy to work on. We had the the kind of hero video. We're now doing our change maker profiles of of people in our business. And we've got big plans for this year. You know, I, I think you'll agree, challenge me if you don't, but people content wins every time. We see it in our stats. And so we're telling our stories through our people. And that is the key ingredient. And we have great people and they do amazing things. And it's just a joy to work on. And like I said, we've got some great ideas. We've also really challenged ourselves um, to experiment in the digital marketing space. So, um, you know, paid for activity on Twitter, which we yeah. haven't really done before, and that's been great. Um, Twitter's Google, relatively um, cost-effective as well, isn't very it? Very cost-effective. Um, lots of usual Google AdWords, display ads. Um, we have done, as you pointed out earlier, you know, we used to do a lot of print ads, but what we've done this year is worked with Reach Media and doing uh, regional ads. Lots of exciting things. And we've even um, trialed targeting our employees through LinkedIn. So they receive specific content to them. So we've tweaked the wording of the ads, for example, so it was you and your colleagues and things like that. So it's really targeted to our our 7,000 people. And yeah, as a concept, it's really powerful because you can overlay it on so many things. For example, imagine the WSP Hour and Changemakers talking about volunteering days and CSR. It it really it can across everything, doesn't everything. it? You can, you can see it as a campaign. You can go, actually, we can apply it in this way. We can yeah. apply it to that. I've got a question for you, actually. So you targeted your own employees on LinkedIn, which is an external channel. How come you didn't do it via your intranet? I'm assuming you have one. Yeah, so we've done it on the intranet. Um, We have obviously the the wire is our weekly kind of um, gathering of all news. We have a a great uh, Yammer site for it, all sorts of stuff like that. But we just wanted to try this on LinkedIn because, as I said to you earlier, you know, generally our people are quite active on LinkedIn. They're our biggest advocates. They share the content. And I don't know about you, but sometimes of an evening I'm sat yeah, on my no, LinkedIn no. app and we just wanted to give it a go. And actually, um, we're still, still obviously looking at the data, but it has been really powerful for us to drive people. And what happens is they click on it and then it drives them to our Yammer site. Ah, okay. And, yeah, so, and then to our SharePoint site so they can see lots more information. And we've done various um, activities internally as well. And we have these um, clever ads where they're split screen and it'll be an hour and that might be your commute to work. <laughs> pre-pandemic um and then <laughs> not now across not the landing um, and then um, the wsp hour and that's designing the network to get you there and a uh, really beautiful strong photography and we we actually again our playful personality we did one around the bake-off and how yeah. um, actually the hydrogen piece and how we're fueling ovens but we had the showstopper cake um so we did some clever sort of 
an hour and our hour. So it was, yeah, it's been fun, really good fun to work on. <laughs> that that is brilliant, and I I do love the LinkedIn idea of targeting your own employees. I hadn't thought of that, <laughs> but actually, it makes sense as another way to actually drive traffic to your own internal channels because actually a lot of people kind of bypass them during the day, don't they? Kind of, or just generally, or is that? just me um (laughs) (laughs) it's not just you io i can assure you (laughs) that's all right like by stealth okay so on to my next question which is around i guess lots of people are i guess having to embrace marketing including digital marketing much more now and, and in a different way i mean are there any kind of tips you want to give to people in terms of those starting out and there might be small businesses as well smaller than yours yeah i do yeah there's a few tips actually and by no means am I saying these are easy, but I'd say steps that you shouldn't skip. Yeah. Um, more than ever, I think, have a very clear purpose. Just spend that time thinking about your purpose and what your proposition is. Yeah. I think it's come through front and centre in our conversation so far. Know your audience. Yeah. know your audience and know their customer or end user. Um, you know, personas, customer journeys. I, I I really think you have to put the time in on that. Um, I think be consistent with the look and feel and tone and what your brand personality is. But on that point, I really liked your recent share about your own brand and how, you know, it's almost just rolling as you go a little bit. And I, I, I think that's a really interesting point because some of this, happens as you go but I do think if you've got a clear purpose from the outset you'll be okay and yeah I I think that's so important as well because yeah because I mean my own branding story is I haven't actually got a logo yet I've got a website I've got colors but I actually don't I haven't done the kind of pure kind of logo or visual identity piece and one of the reasons I haven't done it I guess is because I'm still finding my way so I set up my business a year ago and I think it's been more about learning about my business and what people want from it and what I want from my business and my purpose my role so it's been a lot more on that rather than you know and now actually I feel more in a position where I know what that is so now I'm taking that and turning that into my marketing kind of branding brief as it were because I just kind of think it's it makes more sense yeah it does make more sense in that instance absolutely and and you'll believe in it you know it'll be authentic to you and I think that but from the beginning I'm sure you had that purpose in mind why do I want to do this and who's it for and where's that gap in the market I'm not finding this content so hey I could create this content and so I think that's your guiding principle isn't it yeah it is I know and it's finding the right tone of voice for me as well you know what do I really care about and it's like there are certain things where I do get on the soapbox like you do (laughs) and and I think that 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 is it and you know so it's like these are the areas that that really resonate with me but yeah so that's kind of my journey yeah I think um, I think keep an eye on the competitors but don't get distracted by them I really believe in that uh and I'd say when you're looking at strategy at the beginning, keep it simple. So I challenge the team every year. To, we have a marketing strategy on a page. 
And the elements wow. of that include, so there's a statement of marketing strategy. So that's the top line. We would have a little descriptor of the key market issues. We then have some bullets of what our, our marketing initiatives are. We then also explore like the critical underlying beliefs and assumptions. You know, so sentences would start with we must, we should, we know. Um, mm-hmm. And then have some goals and metrics. And then also um, you'd also have the state of marketing sort of in 2019 and then what you want it to be in 2020. And that's all on a page. And just keep it really simple. Um, sometimes I think people think a strategy and it's, oh, my goodness, this is reams and reams. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be. It really doesn't. And then I think the other tip would be underpin what you're doing with the tools to help you achieve the goals. And in 2019, we took a lot of time and did our due diligence around MarTech stack. And I went to XCOM and with a proposal for our, our, and sorry, XCOM is our kind of top leadership board. And I went in with a proposal for our MarTech stack and the level investment. And fortunately, they believed in in me and the function. And it's been transformative for us. And I I really, you know, I don't... (laughs) If we hadn't have had that MarTech stat when this pandemic kicked off, um, it would have really made it very difficult for us to generate the content and what, we, what we've achieved during that time. Can so you explain what MarTech stat is? Can you yeah, explain what sure. Um, so it's marketing, it's very popsy date, marketing technology stack. And um, essentially it's what tools do you need um, to help do, you know, create the marketing outputs you need as a function but also these tools they kind of link in together and it's about the data outputs you'll get will it save time will it save money and what you do is there's so many technologies out there so by way of example um there's a product we we're using called lumin 5 it's uh, a really clever little video platform where you can create short videos for social but anybody in the team can use that really quickly and create these short videos and that has been brilliant and actually initially we thought of that as an external tool but we've used it as much internally as we have externally then you might have um say sprout social would be part of your stack so that's obviously our social media tool where you um can obviously monitor your social channels upload your your social posts and all that great stuff. Um, then there's there's pieces of kit like Turtle, and that's a really interesting digital kit. Yeah, digital, yeah, digital publications. Yeah. So what it is, it's all those bits of technology, and they form your technology stack. They have to serve a purpose and objectives. And what what you do with that stack is you constantly refine and re- evolve it every year based on what's working, what isn't. Are you getting the right data out of it? Are you getting the efficiency gains? And uh, yeah, it's been a game changer for us. Did you put 100%. that together with your IT team as well? Was that all done yes. with them? Yeah, so they, they were great at just helping us, uh, I guess, go through the different contracts and you know, will our systems talk to their systems? I was going to say um, integration is massive. Integration. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> but, but actually, it was it very much driven by us. And then, of course, our procurement team. So making sure we had the right contracts and agreements in place and negotiating. And actually for us, uh, we're really moving in this year, hopefully, to the automation piece on our website. Our website is um, globally owned, but we're we're really pushing that side of things. So, yeah, underpin, I suppose the tip is just make sure you look at the tools you need that 
might initially look like quite a bit of an outlay, but my goodness, in terms of time, agility, resource, efficiency, um, it's worth serious consideration, I'd say. But I, I and you know what, I, I think that's absolutely right. But when it comes to articles as well, there's also this thing where actually there's a lot of kind of subscription, relatively low price things now on the market, like, you know, Veed, for example, for video editing, like that you can get, which, you know, don't cost that much each month for smaller businesses as well. And you can kind of do similar things. And I think it's just always keeping an eye out, I think, on that kind of area because there so, there's always- so much good stuff always new technologies coming out I me mean, gosh look at us just now on this podcast Amazing. you know it's just it's remarkable and it's ever changing so a big request from me for the team and i bang on about it quite a lot is we have to be up there with the t- trends that are coming we have to understand them there'll be some where we decide to let it just walk on by us when we think this is going to be a fad or it's not for us yeah. and there'll be someone like no that this we need to zone in on and we we have to be on our toes the whole time with this we have to be um anyway I think the other thing that in terms of tips I know we were talking earlier I think one of the things that I kind of am on my soapbox or this week is very much about context and relevancy so for me it's around I guess people giving people advice but actually making sure it's relevant to that industry and that target audience and is the right thing to actually be saying because I kind of I'm starting to feel that there's a lot of kind of one-size-fits-all advice going on at the moment so yeah, I'm seeing that a lot in Facebook groups and business groups and things like that. So that is my Yeah, tip. and it is a faceless, you know, anybody can, you know, I could be Julie and I'm a pilot if I wanted to online. <laughs> like, Are you? But it's true. <laughs> no, God, you wouldn't want me flying a plane. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's a different world now. It's it is, it world. is context and relevancy that's one of my okay so in terms of what's coming up are there any particular things you've got coming up as a business or large camp or not huge or large campaigns for the next kind of quarter or so sure so I think you know we will have a clear focus that aligns to the growth opportunities full stop yeah uh, we're upscaling our account-based marketing program because that's something I introduced and it's really starting to embed now and we can see the value in that and I just mentioned about the automation so there's more we can be doing around that um I think I have recently been appointed to the strategic leadership team for the UK and that's an opportunity to further cement marketing at that table at that level where we're talking about growth opportunities and and actually having set the strategy for the UK. And I think that's a brilliant opportunity for the team, huge opportunity. Uh, I think that future back approach and that, that present forward, getting that right balance that we're spending the right amount of time on those two things. Yeah. And from a a themes perspective, delivering net zero, huge, huge huge (laughs) and cop cop happening in November. Uh, We've got some really exciting plans for that and our change makers campaign. Great ideas coming forward from the team and our agencies. So that I just think we can run and run with, uh, but we've got to keep it fresh. Uh, well, that's, that's the challenge, the challenge. isn't it? <laughs> that's the challenge. We've got to keep it fresh. So um, that's one of my soapboxes at the moment. And do you know what? I think that thought leadership piece, and I kind of cringe a little bit when I say thought leadership, but 
We'll call it's it the that. right word, though. It, it, is, is the right word. it is the right word. But I just want to continue around that. Where I look at thought leadership is this. It's the, the best in class insight. How can we creatively tell those stories? And we must get this to the right audience. And what are the outcomes of that? I think there are three outcomes that we should be measured on. And that is maintaining and creating new relationships for the business, revenue and reputation. And for me, that is critical this year. And those outcomes are important. And so that's a real focus. And then I suppose the other key message I've been giving to the team is around, I, I really want this year to see 1% improvements here, there, and everywhere. And that compounds effect of that. I don't know if you've read the James Clear book about habits, and he talks about the compound impact of 1% improvements. And it's just just out there. But then the balance of that with those wow moments. And every year we have our wow moments as a function. And, you know, we need those wow moments this year, but we also have this great opportunity for those real short, sharp improvements. Yeah, and so and that's it's incremental wins, doesn't it? It's it that is. whole thing of, because otherwise you you do miss out on the small things, and especially now we're kind of we're working from home, and it's easy to miss that. And it's like actually no, this stuff is good. We have to keep trying yeah, to do that. that little it's tweaks that. here and there, yeah. trying something new, turning something off, being brave and going mm, that isn't working. So let's not carry on. Let's pause. Let's look at why. Mm. Let's try something else. And as I said at the beginning, we're very fortunate that we work in an environment as a team where we can be brave and we can try things and we can innovate and i always say to the guys think big we might need to rein it in a bit but think big first <laughs> that you know that's the important that. thing and then yeah, yeah i might yeah. i might pull the reins in but please think big tv campaign idea but yeah it's it's, it's and, then, and that goes back to that creating the right environment for these brilliant people and how do you retain yeah. people because for marcom's professionals genuinely i feel what a time to be alive in Marcoms. You right. know, I just think it's just a, such a challenge, ever-changing uh, market conditions, the challenge of reaching the right people. Everybody now has like the attention span of two seconds on something. So how do we break yeah. that barrier? Yeah, it's there, that challenge, completely. We don't want okay. it to be easy. No, I mean to be honest, I think that's one of the reasons I'm in B two B is that it's that bit much, that bit more of a challenge. Yeah. Um, okay, on to my final two questions. So, in terms of marketing campaigns during, I guess, the past year, in terms of lockdowns and out of lockdowns, what campaign has have you really admired or loved? So I, there's a couple of things, but I, I think it's probably more kind of sector view on this i have been closely watching supermarkets go on (laughs) and how they've handled this crisis because if you think about it from a supermarket point of view hugely complicated just from an operations perspective and you're dealing with human beings and the general public at large and (laughs) they've had the continual change of the rules you know if you think back in the beginning it was all about panic buying at the moment, it's about the safety of their staff because people aren't wearing masks. So yeah. you've got that ever-changing rules and messaging. You then also have, think how broad their audience is. Not everybody is on email. Yeah. So I get the CEO emails from John Lewis and Sainsbury's and I read them. 
Not everybody accesses their email. Not everyone's on social media. So you've yeah. then got to think about that. What are the need to know messages and how are we going to get these to our, to our audiences? And I, I've seen some great, great comms, but I'm just fascinated because it's a very challenging space. I mean, it's a money-making space because I've been doing all right, I think, with all the panic buying. <laughs> but um, I, I've been watching that with great, great interest. Um, and also, I think the complexity of the internal comms piece, they're not just like all headquartered in one office. We're talking hundreds of stores yeah. Uh, with people on the ground so I've been fascinated by that and linking to the supermarket fascination um yeah. Aldi did you see the Aldi uh Twitter Christmas party oh that was brilliant amazing so so this um for your listeners if you haven't go on twitter go to aldi and step back to december and find this kind of twitter moment and what they did was they again took a brilliant kind of time in our culture where christmas parties they weren't happening and they started this train didn't they around the christmas party and they invited their competitors to take part and it was banter and taking the mickey and what i loved about it was one it stayed completely true to their brand and their personality fun and cheeky two they very cleverly dropped the competitor boundaries and they said come on you can all have a slice of this pie let's have a bit of fun you and they weren't literally using like words like that, weren't they? They it literally was. like, oh, come on, Aldi. Like, they were literally like, come on, Sainsbury's, come along. Are you not coming? Morrison's is coming. It like, was it brilliant. Was Iceland, Morrison's, John Lewis, Sainsbury's, and I could go on. And it was so clever. Um, it, it hit on the, the time, the sense of the time, how people were feeling, the yeah. cultural reference of the Christmas party. They dropped the competitor boundaries. It reflected their personality, the speed, the agility. It was brilliant. And if it doesn't yeah. win an award, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> did you see the one that they did to journalists where they were doorstepping them and they sent some of their PR teams to them, which didn't No, work. I didn't. Oh, so that's a fail. <laughs> But there was one I saw. I was like, you shouldn't have done. Like they, they sent them caroling, like on journalist oh. doorsteps because of lockdown. <laughs> hey, as, as I said earlier, you know we've all got to be brave and try things and fail safely. <laughs> they're they're failing is a bit more public than uh, WSPs, I'd say. I'll send you a link to that one. That one I was like, no, don't do that. was the other thing. Okay, on to my final question. What one tip would you give to a business leader at the moment? in terms of what they should be doing with their marketing? So, so I think if I were talking to a business leader, yeah. it goes back to what I was saying about being really clear about, you know, where are we going to win the work and who are we talking to and what's kind of our differentiator, what's on our yeah. client's mind, understanding our clients. I think to business leaders, but more generally, I suppose, to our peers, people listening to this podcast and and, and CEOs and leaders, I'd be saying like, stay true to your purpose and vision right now. It's so easy to steer away from that and keep telling stories and targeting is more important than ever. And and there's one thing that I always sticks with me and that is your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I just, that's just so true. Io, And And they're like, I know they think this about us. You're like, do they? (laughs) And there's also a personal brand perspective as well, isn't it? You know, and I I think if you think about that, that guides everything you're doing. 
What do you want people to think, feel and do? And that's in everything we do. What do we want people to think, feel and do? Brilliant. And on that note, thank you very much for coming on the show, Emily. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Io. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Crisis. If you liked what you heard, please do leave us a review as it helps us to spread the word and for more people to get to hear about us. If you want to know more about things mentioned in the episode, do look at the show notes, which will give you more information about where to find us and also about our show website. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed it and have a great day. Bye.